Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Mean Old Lion Media presents Pregnancy Pearls. Meet Dr. Nicole Plenty, a double board certified OBGYN and high risk pregnancy expert. She's brilliant, well researched, and feisty. Growing tired of seeing complications of pregnancy that could have been prevented, she wanted a way to empower women through knowledge because, as she says, all doctors aren't created equal. This quest to educate women birthed this podcast, Pregnancy Pearls, with Dr. Plenty. Thanks for listening to Pregnancy Pearls Podcast with me, Dr. Nicole Pliny. I hope all of you guys have had an amazing week. So for me, my baby turned three years old. So I guess this technically means that he is not a baby anymore. Well, he's my baby, but he is definitely not acting like a baby anymore. So if you have small babies or you're expecting a baby, Please enjoy those early months of snuggling. These years fly by so fast. So when I started the podcast, Harrison had just turned one years old. Oh, and now he is running us wild. He is running our household and an example of time just flying by. So that also means that I survived his birthday party weekend. So y'all parties are hard. So next year... I'm not doing no big party. I'm not going to do it. Um, I'll have to ask you guys some alternatives to doing a party because they're just so draining. But I'm glad that I got to celebrate him. I'm glad that I got to see family and friends. But I just feel like I need the whole week to recuperate. But can't do that. Got patience to see. Got things to do. So today, a friend of mine asked, why are women so moody in pregnancy? And I've also had a few dads email me about their spouse's moods during pregnancy. So I felt like I should break this down today. So let's talk about it. Let's admit it. Women who are pregnant do have changes in their moods in pregnancy. When you're going through pregnancy, you don't think that you are moody, but you are. You think you're being nice, your usual self. However, it's your mate that feels it. If you're listening to this right now and you've already delivered, Just turn to your mate and ask, was I moody during the pregnancy? You'll probably see one of two reactions. Either he'll just smile and stay quiet or he'll give you a firm yes. So it's okay. I was moody too, even though I didn't think I was. Once my pregnancy was over, my husband was like, oh, I'm glad that's over. And I was like, well, what you mean? I was an angel. And he just smiled and said, okay, babe which is, I guess, equivalent to his, you know, silence, uh, just smile and stay quiet, like reaction number one. But, you know, why is it that we're so moody? What makes us so moody? Well, moodiness in pregnancy is caused by several factors. One, you have hormonal changes. So remember, we have a ton of circulating progesterone and estrogen in pregnancy. Estrogen levels rise rapidly and they increase um, to over a hundred times 
the normal pregnant state. Now, these rapidly increasing and shifting hormones sometimes means your body doesn't know how to handle it. And this causes you to be emotional, hot, tired, irritable. And then you have progesterone that's also increasing. And these increases slow down the motility through the GI tract, which means that your stomach isn't emptying as it usually does, which leads you to constipation. Can also lead you to nausea and vomiting. So, of course, if you're not having regular bowel movements, if you're feeling a whole bunch of abdominal pain because you're constipated, if you're hot and irritable and emotional because of these changes, of course you're going to be a little bit, you know, grumpier and not at your 100% best because you're constipated and you're vomiting. Then you have physical discomforts of pregnancy. So you're carrying more weight, literally. So the baby is growing more and more and more. And it's not like, oh, you're just carrying up to seven and a half pounds what the baby weighs. No, you got to factor in the, the weight of the blood volume doubling, factor in the weight of the muscles of the uterus, factor in the weight of the amniotic fluid that's around the baby. So literally you are carrying more weight. And it's also uncomfortable to have a whole bunch of pelvic pain and more and more as your pregnancy progresses. Then you have nausea and vomiting and sometimes other complications like preterm contractions and bleeding. Now, how can anyone be perky and happy when they are miserable? So of course, you're going to be a little bit you know, more miserable. You know what I mean? A little bit moodier. And then you have all of the other external factors that uh, that come into play, right? You have the things that you have to juggle while still being pregnant. So imagine if you have a toddler that you're juggling. Like if I had Harrison and I was pregnant right now, running around after him, I'm already frustrated running behind a toddler. And then I'm dealing with constipation, nausea, vomiting, feeling a whole bunch of, uh, you know, hot all the time and feeling sleep deprived, you add that on top. Then you have your spouse expecting you to do the normal things that you did before you pregnant, right? They're wondering, hey, when are we going to eat? When are we going to have a meal? Are you going to still cook? Hey, when are you going to clean up? Are you going to do the laundry? They're expecting you to operate and perform like you used to do. And then they're like, okay, we haven't had intercourse in a while. So when are we going to do that? So of course you are going to be a little bit moody. Okay. And you have uh, a lot of reasons to feel that way. So with all this, remember that you have a reason to be moody. So the next time someone tells you that you're moody or asks you what's wrong, just go ahead and make them download the podcast and listen to this episode so they can understand and feel your struggle and why you're so moody. All right now, so we've heard a little bit about why you're a little bit moodier in pregnancy. Now we're going to switch it up and we're going to go straight to questions, mostly from the husbands. The first one says, Dr. Plenty, my wife is 18 weeks pregnant with our first child. But this is her second pregnancy. We had a miscarriage last pregnancy at 16 weeks after she experienced a car accident. With this pregnancy, she cries all the time, especially at night. She's able to function during the day at work just fine. But when she comes home and winds down, I hear her crying in the shower. She denies bleeding or pain. She says she doesn't understand why she's crying. 
what should I do? So I think that this is, I don't want to say this is uh, normal because it's not, right? We, no one should be crying every day because they're pregnant, pregnant. But I think that when you've lost previous pregnancy, when you've had a miscarriage, I mean, it's a lot. It's emotionally a lot. And some people don't really deal with their miscarriages until they become pregnant again, right? So when James and I experienced a miscarriage, we just kept going, right? Like I knew I had a miscarriage. I was at work. I pretty much diagnosed my own miscarriage. I text my OBGYN, who was like basically my best friend and said, Hey, I had a miscarriage. And she was like, are you sure? And I was like, yes, my baby doesn't have a heartbeat. And she said, okay, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to get Cytotec and do, you know, pass everything naturally. And she was like, yeah, no, she had a miscarriage before. And she said she bled for like two weeks straight and she was not going to, uh, she didn't want me to go through that same thing. So she was like, she recommended that I go ahead and do a DNC because she knew that I still wanted to not take as much time out. I worked the whole week, you know, I diagnosed my miscarriage on Tuesday. I worked the whole week, four o'clock Friday. I ended my day a little bit early. I walked over to the surgery center. My husband met me there. My own sonographer was the person that ran the ultrasound in the operating room. I had a DNC and went home. You know, the next day, Saturday, I had sorority meeting for, you know, a debutante, uh, you know, planning. And Sunday, I went to church. Monday, I went back to work. So, I mean, things just kept going, right? So, I think it's very easy for us to cope with miscarriages while you're going through them and you move on. Like, everybody copes a little bit differently. For me, it didn't cause me any anxiety until I got pregnant with Harrison. I mean, it took me a while before I wanted to get pregnant again. But once I got pregnant with Harrison, I was really anxious, right? Because you keep thinking you're going to have another miscarriage. Like, that's a real thing. And I think that dads feel the same, you know, they, I don't want to say they feel the same way, but I know that they are also dealing with the loss on their own, of their own. And they may have coped with things a lot differently than we do because we are the person that is going through the surgery. We're the person that's actually, you know, experiencing the bleeding and the cramping and things that happen when you have a miscarriage. And so sometimes it's hard to understand how some people stay busy and then some people break down and cry right then. And I think that for your wife, she's probably dealing with the past miscarriage um, and going through all the things that she went through then. And she's close to the gestational age. She was the last pregnancy. She's 18 weeks now. She lost the last baby at 16 weeks. And so I think that you have to understand that she is trying to cope with the loss of the last pregnancy, but also very nervous about this one and how it's going to progress and how it's going to come out. So what I would do if I were you is I would one make sure that I am present, right? People that are going through loss and that's whether you've lost a baby, whether you've had a miscarriage, whether you've lost a parent, a loved one, you just need somebody to be there. You don't even have to say anything specific, just being present. So I would encourage you to be present for this pregnancy. Make sure you're coming to the prenatal visits and make sure that she knows that you're there, even if it's just to listen and to hold her at night. 
The second thing that I would definitely recommend doing is to talk to her doctor, like go to her OBGYN visits. And if you feel like you can ask questions in front of her and say, hey, I'm concerned that she's crying all the time without her snapping and getting mad, then do that and bring that conversation up. If you feel like that's going to be something she's going to be very upset with you doing, well, obviously you don't want to cause a scene in the doctor's office. Perhaps you should call, call the OBGYN, or if you can have a word with the OBGYN before you leave that clinic to say, Hey, listen, this is what's happened to my wife. She's crying all the time. I think she might have you know, depression. I think she's anxious. What can I do? So that the provider can refer her to some counseling because it's very clear to me that she is depressed. If you're crying every night, you are depressed and she needs some counseling. And some of this could be just normal grief that she hadn't dealt with. But if it's been a while since she's experienced that loss and that trauma, it could be something that she needs to talk through. And for me, I think everybody needs a counselor, to be perfectly honest. Everyone needs one. And it never hurts for her to go through an evaluation and her to get counseling. But being present, making sure you're telling the provider what's going on so that your provider can look and do some evaluation and refer your wife to someone for counseling would be helpful. And so I think you should take those steps first. All right, medical intern, what's our second question? Our second question says, hey, I hope you get this question. My girlfriend is 19 weeks pregnant with our first baby. We're in a same-sex relationship and decided to undergo IVF to have our first baby. My girlfriend is pretty healthy and wants the baby, but she keeps saying she doesn't feel pregnant. Even when we go to the ultrasound and see the baby, she states that she doesn't know how to feel when she sees the baby. I'm afraid that she's going to resent me and the baby once we have the baby. What can I do to make my girlfriend happier about this pregnancy? Nothing. You can't do anything to make somebody happy about the pregnancy. I mean, I think that there's a lot of focus on the baby, right? Even listening to the question, there's like 10,000 babies in there. So I think perhaps focusing on your girlfriend would be better than focusing on the baby. And I think sometimes women have this, you know, everybody's asking about the baby. Everybody's asking about the pregnancy and nobody's asking about the person that's carrying the baby or that's having the pregnancy. So I think focusing on, hey, let's focus on our relationship. Let's make sure we're still doing things together because at the end of the day, you guys made this decision together and not have so much focus on the baby. You know, she doesn't feel pregnant. A lot of people don't feel pregnant at 19 weeks. Some people don't feel movement of the baby until 22 to 24 weeks, especially if the placenta or the afterbirth, and if you want to know what that's about, go listen to that last episode. But the placenta or the afterbirth, if it's on the front side of the uterus or the anterior side, then there's almost like a little cushion between the baby and the wall of the uterus. So you're not going to feel as much movement. So a lot of people that don't have horrible pregnancies, so she's not having a lot of nausea and vomiting, she may not have pregnancy symptoms and that's okay as long as she's not like talking about not wanting to be pregnant and talking about harming herself or, you know, acting depressed or acting very anxious, I think that this is this is okay. I mean, if she feels normal and she doesn't feel 
the baby yet, that's not abnormal. And it doesn't mean that she's not happy. You said that she wants the baby. She just doesn't know how to feel. I mean, you see something on ultrasound, you see a baby moving, but you can't feel that. I mean, it's like, I really don't know how to feel right now. And that's okay. So I would just say, instead of focusing on constantly asking her how she feels about the baby and how she feels about the pregnancy, focus on doing things that both of you like and the things that you used to do together. And then as you progress through the pregnancy, then you can focus on planning for the baby to be here because you've already said you guys made this decision together and she wants the baby. So let's not put so much pressure on her to see if she can feel the baby moving and to see how she feels about the pregnancy. Just take a breather, take a step back and try to do things as you normally would before you find out you're pregnant. Just my two cents. All right, medical intern, do we have any other email questions? We do. This is the last one. And it says, Dr. Plenty, I love your podcast. Thank you so much for always answering my questions on Instagram. My wife has a history of anxiety and depression prior to being pregnant. Currently, she is 26 weeks pregnant with her first child. She seems happy, almost too happy. But I read that her history puts her at risk for postpartum blues and depression. What should I look for to know to get her care? And how long after delivery does postpartum usually start? People that have a history of anxiety and depression or any really um, psychological disorder or mood disorder do have higher risk of postpartum anxiety, postpartum blues, postpartum depression, and postpartum psychosis. Um, Usually postpartum blues pretty much starts after delivery through the first two weeks. You know, it's usually when the onset of postpartum blues starts. Okay. But it shouldn't last very long. Okay. Postpartum depression basically lasts much longer. So if you have someone that is in their six weeks postpartum period and you notice that they are down and not saying like, okay, man, I'm sleep deprived because everybody feels that way. Man, I feel anxious when the baby cries because everybody feels that way. But meaning, hey, she doesn't want to hold this baby. She doesn't want to feed this baby. She's angry at this baby. You know, those things that are not nurturing should set off red flags, okay? And you should contact the provider and say, hey, my spouse or girlfriend or whomever is acting as if she can't care for this baby or she can't get out of bed or she's crying all the time. You know, if she's feeling like she doesn't want to nurture the child, then that's something that you need to contact um, the OBGYN about to tell them because perhaps she needs to be screened for postpartum depression. Now, if you have uh, your, you know, wife is saying things like, you know, who's this baby for? Or someone's telling her, you know, to do things to the baby, you know, that could be clues for postpartum psychosis. You know, if she's seeing things or hearing things or acting strangely, you know, that should set off red flags as well. And so anytime your significant other is not acting as a nurturer to the child, that should mean, okay, this is a clue we need to get further screening for, um, you know, to make sure that she is in a state of mind to actually take care of a child. And just because somebody has postpartum depression or postpartum blues, meaning blues is short-lived, temporary, postpartum depression lasts much longer, 
just because somebody is going through this doesn't mean that they are unfit to be a parent, right? It means that they are not able to cope with being a parent right now. Okay. It means that they need to get help right now so that they are mentally stable so they can take care of a child. So that's not a reason that because people say all the time, I'm not going to tell a doctor because I feel like the child's going to get taken away. No, 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 no. You can get help for the mom. Your child's not going to be taken away unless the child is in harm's way until you get, you know, help. They would put the child with, a, you know, a family member that can help take care of the child. Um, but so it does not mean that this person is permanently going to get their child taken away, but it does mean that they need other support there that can help them take care of the child um, if it's super severe. Otherwise, they can get counseling, perhaps an antidepressant if it's extremely severe. If they're talking about hurting themselves or the child, obviously they may need further help and that child may need to be temporarily with another loved one while um, mom is getting help. But normal activity, okay? Moms want to feed their child. They want to check on their children. They want to keep their children clean. These are normal things that children, that mothers want to do. Normal also is feeling exhausted, having dirty laundry, not having toys from older kids picked up. Those are also normal, okay? Because when you are sleep deprived and you're juggling a new child and you're trying to get on schedule, you are feeling exhausted. So I don't want us to confuse exhaustion and being tired with postpartum depression and anxiety because they're not the same, okay? It's very normal to feel a little overwhelmed during periods of time in the postpartum period, shoot, even years after, just parenting in general, okay? That's very normal. But if she is saying things like, she feels hopeless. She feels like she wants to harm herself. She doesn't want to live. You know, she doesn't want the baby. Those are things that are like, you know, this is a little bit much. Or she's not feeding the baby. The baby's just crying and crying for hours and hours and not being fed or taken care of. Then those are clues that she needs help. All right. I think that that's all the questions we have for today. And my medical intern is shaking her head. Yes. So thank you guys so much for listening to Pregnancy Pearls podcast. I hope that you learned a little bit more about why we women are so moody during our pregnancies. And if you like the episode, make sure to share with all of your friends and a special shout out to all the dads that are listening and for sending your questions. Um, I really appreciate it. It's nice to get a man's perspective every now and then on how you guys cope with the pregnancy as well. If you or someone you know has had a pregnancy complication or unique pregnancy situation, let me know about it. Email me at pregnancypros at gmail.com to hear your topic or case discuss on one of our podcast episodes also remember to follow me on instagram at pregnancy underscore pearls and facebook at pregnancy pearls and make sure to catch up on the youtube channel at youtube.com forward slash pregnancy pearls without plenty for more quick talks about pregnancy complications in closing remember to advocate for yourself you are your biggest advocate and no one knows what's going on with your body except for you thanks for listening bye
Pregnancy Pearls is hosted by Dr. Nicole Lee Plenty. Produced by Nicole Plenty and Janine Brunson Johnson. Executive producer Ken Johnson. Find Pregnancy Pearls on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice for diagnosis or treatment of individual medical conditions. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with specific questions regarding a medical condition. Pregnancy Pearls is a mean old lion media production. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply.